This is Simply Meditation, an offering of Center for Self-Care, and your mindful coach, that's me, Mark Balser. Each week at 7.15 p.m. on Wednesday, we have an in-person guided meditation and short teaching at Balance for Life Yoga in Devon, Pennsylvania. Feel free to join us there or listen each week to our intro and guided practice or standalone guided practice. If you'd like to learn more, visit me at www.center4selfcare.com or email me at mark at centerforselfcare.com. Thank you and enjoy. We could get started. Yeah, let's get started. Uh, we'll do a mini practice to start today, and then a little teaching time and discussion time, and then a longer practice. So I invented a word today, a compound mistake. Well, it seems like it would make sense. Uh, and so what I'm thinking in terms of compound mistakes is when we kind of start on the path of getting something wrong, and we kind of in the back of our head know that we're not quite on the right track, but we press it anyway, you know, and we might press it because of frustration or jealousy or fear or anger or whatever it might be. Right. Pride. <laughs> That's probably the, the main one. And uh, then we dig ourselves a deeper and deeper and deeper hole. Uh, and so the practice I want to share with you today is, is this practice of three questions. It's kind of a reminder to interrupt whatever we're working on in any moment to maybe reset ourselves. Um, and so when you find yourself in the midst of this, this anger, frustration, where your emotions are pretty much running the show instead of your thinking, rational, uh, ethical mind, uh, you can ask yourself three questions, which my friend Gretchen taught me. It's, what am I doing? Is it right? What will I do next? And so I teach this with my middle school students because that's all they're ever doing. You know, like, what were you thinking? Well, they weren't really thinking the way we think of it. Uh, and what I like about these three questions is they're not really telling you what to do. It's kind of a gentle massaging towards a different choice. So what am I doing? Is it right? Gives you that opportunity in the third question to say, what will I do next? When I ask the kids, they always say that the third question is, how do I make it right? Or, or something along those lines where they made an assumption that they didn't really have a choice, that they need to get back on the right path. Um, but there's something interesting about those three questions and the choice that it uh, provides. Uh, I usually talk about Jack doing the dishes because mm -hmm. he's not so great at the dishes, my son. One thing that came up just yesterday was uh, Jack didn't uh, follow the rules about electronics at that time. He's supposed to put his phone away at 9.30. It goes into our uh, bathroom, so he'd have to walk through to get to the phone. And so he'd wake us up if he's checking his phone at midnight. And he didn't do that at all. And I've been nagging him and really tough on him. And it's like, Jack, phone in the charger by 9.30. And so, you know, when I find myself annoyed because it's late, I'm tired by that happens. And, you know, so I'm yelling down the steps, Jack. Put your phone upstairs. And, you know, sometimes he'll even talk back. He'll be like, I know, I was doing it. Of course he wasn't doing it. <laughs> and so kind of applying those questions right before, right after I say that, what am I doing? Well, I'm telling Jack to put away his stuff. 
Is it right? Yeah, that's the rules. What will I do next? Well, he's not doing it, so I'm going to push. I'm going to start yelling now. I'm going to dig deeper and harder, and it doesn't really work. Ellie and I were getting out of bed this morning, and we were talking about it. So I said, well, what do you think his punishment should be? And Ellie says, no phone for a week. I said, no phone for a month. And uh, <laughs> clearly that would be an extension of that <laughs> cycle. And so Jack's downstairs, and we come downstairs, and he says, Jack, uh, you didn't plug in your phone, which is very different from what we'd often say. It would be, why didn't you plug in your phone, or you're in trouble for not plugging in your phone. He says, oh, yeah, yeah, I didn't do it. And uh, one of us says, so what do you think your punishment should be? And he said, I don't know, the guillotine. <laughs> they're, they're studying the French Revolution. And uh, it was just so interesting. The resp- Like, I'm pretty sure he's going to plug in his phone tonight because we approached it kind of in a lighthearted way instead of a angry way, which four other times today I didn't choose the right thing. But if you ask yourself that question over and over and over again, and you keep on making not the right choice, you start to embarrass yourself. Mm-hmm. Like, Am I really going to do this? So just as this mini practice, I thought we could jump into maybe one of those difficult situations we found ourselves in in the last days or weeks. It could be an investment decision or some situation we've had with our kids and uh, just kind of play what happened through our heads, and then I'll prompt you to offer those questions in a reimagining of what might have taken place. So maybe letting your eyes close and settling into the space that we're offered, letting the breath be smooth and relaxed. not trying to control it or make it a certain way. Just being present with the breath. Feeling the inhale and the exhale. As we drop into our experience. Feel the breath as it enters and exits the body. And as you're ready, you might bring to mind a circumstance or an event. It might have been a bit difficult or challenging where you might not have made the right choice in that moment. To the extent it feels safe, bring up an image or scenes of this event in your mind. Watching it play out as it did, recalling conversations 
recalling emotions or sensations you might have felt. Perhaps being curious about what plays out, not needing to bring judgment, just observing what took place. And now pausing for a moment, rewinding of it, coming back to a moment that you might have feel felt these emotions of pride or jealousy, anger or doubt. Perhaps you were being driven by them. Bring your back, bring yourself back to this time and place. And then ask yourself, what am I doing? Is it right? What will I do next? What am I doing? Is it right? What will I do next? And now imagine yourself taking action, bringing what you'll do next into your imagination and seeing the scene play out once again. See if it unfolds differently or perhaps just the same. Notice what arises in you now. Any emotions or thoughts, even sensations in your body. If you like, you could rewind again perhaps to that same point or perhaps earlier or later. Once again, asking these three questions. What am I doing? Is it right? What will I do next?
And now, gently letting go of any images in your mind, releasing the thoughts or emotions to the extent you're able. Coming back to the sensation of the breathing body. Perhaps feeling the rise and fall of the belly or chest. Or feeling the air as it enters and exits your nostrils. And then listening for the sound of the bell to open your eyes. should have warned you at the start that about a third of the time, uh, the judging mind gets in there and mostly it's uh, conversations of of shouldas and wouldas (laughs) as you play those out. But other times you get a little bit of empathy for the difficulty of the situation or some imagination of what you might have done done differently. Today we're going to finish the Four Noble Truths. The Buddha had 45 years of teaching the Four Noble Truths. I've had four weeks. (laughs) But I learned today that it was both his first teaching after enlightenment and his last teaching. So he's like dying and somebody came to his house and his assistants were like, nah, I can't see you. And the Buddha's like, hey, come on back. Come see see me. And the the guy said, so who who else should I go to for enlightenment? And uh, thinking he's going to get a new teaching. And the Buddha said, don't even worry about trying to get enlightened. Worry about trying to be free. And then he once again gave the Eightfold Path. They were a little disappointed there wasn't something new, but they liked the classic. Unfortunately, the fourth noble truth, which we're on today, uh, there's a path to the end of suffering, has eight parts to it. So I guess I'm going to have to talk pretty qu- pr- pretty quickly. <laughs> but they're they're all... They're all really closely connected. We started with the first noble truth, there's suffering. Then there's a cause of suffering, the second noble truth, and and that's our grasping, wanting, pleasant, our aversion, pushing away unpleasant, and delusion, which is basically us trying to create a world where we're getting what we want, whether that's the world or not. And that end of suffering we practiced last week with a forgiveness practice, because so much of that is letting go might still require action in the world, but what can we let go of inside ourselves to get a little bit more freedom? And so I've been uh, enjoying studying, uh, which is kind of why I do this. I pick a topic so that I have to learn a little more about it. My teacher, Jonathan Faust, talks about how when he first started teaching, he'd read these lectures and teachings, sometimes translations, and he'd kind of distill out the teaching from all the stuff around it, (laughs) the decorations around it. And so I guess that's what we should do here with the path to the end of suffering, which is both the middle way, which is kind of what we've been working with the last couple of times. Like we're not grasping, we're not pushing away, 
we're finding this middle path that's kind of like Goldilocks. It's not too hot, not too cold, just right. And the Eightfold Path has, well, eight parts to it, and they're broken into three pieces. The first piece is wisdom, right thought, also known as right intention, as well as right understanding or right view. So how we bring in the world, how we experience uh, our environment. And then the second one is moral conduct. So that's how we act in the world. There's right speech, uh, there's right action, and right livelihood. And a lot of those are, uh, the, the language behind those are, I'm not going to cause suffering, and I'm going to try to cause joy and peace and love and, and contentment in ourselves and others. Uh, the last three are about mental discipline. So that's what we're practicing today. So we're already three out of eight. Right effort. Um, so uh, that also has a little bit to do with our intention, where we focus our energy. Uh, right mindfulness. So I think of that as our awareness of what's happening, tinged with a little bit of compassion as well. And then the last piece is right concentration, which is about discipline, uh, single focus. So a lot of times when we're talking about meditation, it's either mindfulness or concentration, like the Zen a tradition might be a little bit more focused on concentration. So we might be not eliminating thoughts, but narrowing our focus on thoughts. Those eight pieces are more like a wheel or spokes that there's not an order in which you do the Eightfold Path. They're kind of reminders as you go through your experience. Ajahn Chah, who was Jack Kornfield's teacher and a lot of other people's teacher, talked about how we can talk about the Eightfold Path like intellectually, or, um, but that the real Eightfold Path is two eyes, two ears, two nostrils, a mouth, a tongue, and a body. And that which walks the path is the heart or the mind. It's what we see and hear and touch. The work of the heart or mind is to find a letting go, a wisdom, a balance in all things, and to touch it with compassion. So I realize I blasted through those eight pieces of the Eightfold Path, and I thought I was going to find a written meditation from the Buddha or from one of these great meditation teachers, but I couldn't find what I was looking for, so I decided to invent it myself. And it kind of has that theme like a loving kindness practice or a compassion practice where we'll repeat phrases. And the repeated phrases are about our intentions for these things on the Eightfold Path. So may I practice right speech. And I'll share some words with that. But uh, I'll put a little space in between each of the intentions um, for you to maybe uh, repeat them silently or bring to mind images of what that might look like in your own life. So as you're ready, you might let your eyes close using the breath as a support in this practice, returning to an awareness of the in-breath and the out-breath. If you find yourself distracted, carried away in thought or caught up in an emotion, you might just go back 
to that feeling of the breath or the phrases that we practice. On this eightfold path, may I practice right speech. May I speak truth, avoid gossip, lies, and abusive language. May I practice right speech. Breathing in this intention, may I practice right speech. May I practice right speech. On this eightfold path, may I practice right action. May I behave peacefully and honorably. May I avoid the creation of suffering from stealing, harming both physically and emotionally from overindulgence. May I practice right action. On this eightfold path, May I practice right livelihood. May I earn my living and practice my vocation righteously, avoiding unethical, illegal, or harmful activities for myself and others. May I practice right livelihood. On this eightfold path, may I practice right effort. May I bring an intention to cultivate wholesome, healthy states. May I abandon and prevent unwholesome and unhealthy states. May I practice right effort.
on this Eightfold Path, may I practice right mindfulness. May I see things as they are and not how I want them to be. May I see things as they are without coming to grasping, aversion, or delusion. May I practice right mindfulness. On this Eightfold Path, may I practice right concentration, developing one-pointedness of the mind, growing my awareness and consciousness in the service of all beings. May I practice right concentration. On this Eightfold Path, may I practice right understanding. May I understand the impermanence of experience, tapping into the nature of reality and the path of transformation. May I practice right understanding. On this Eightfold Path, may I practice right thought, right intention, acting with love and compassion, harnessing a gentle heart and an empathetic mind. May I practice right thought.
and recognizing that the Eightfold Path is a path of intention, of aspiration, letting us come back when we wander. letting us share wisdom and compassions and the benefits of these practices with all beings, known and unknown to us. Now bringing your attention back to this moment, to this place. Allowing the breath to guide you to the only time, the only moment that we have. The present moment. Continuing this meditation, this practice, after we open our eyes, after we leave, as we share the gift of the Eightfold Path and the Four Noble Truths with our world.